Hello folks, how are you going? And welcome to another episode of Daughter Talks. My name's Adam Jacobs and I'm preparing myself for the big ticket conversations I've got to have with my little girl when she's old enough, which will be very soon. She's just gone into double figures. She has 10 weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Yeah. 10 weeks old. 10 weeks old. So sure, okay, course I'm fine. Some of these conversations aren't going to happen for a little while. I do accept that. But they're still very important. And when the time does come, I could just tell her to listen to the podcast. No, I'm not going to do that, am I? Her name is Little Ufa Daisy Jacobs. First name's not Little. Ufa Daisy Jacobs is her name. And she is adorable. In fact, the thumbnail for my uh, my artwork as they say the artwork for my podcast is a picture of her face looking so amazed with the world we'll put it that we'll put it that way most people refer to it as cross-eyed <laughs> it was a great shot i just was stepping away and then suddenly she did it because when she does the cross-eyed thing which little babies do it's only like for a second, so I was just really, oh, I was, just, I was lucky. Oh, when I, when I took that, I thought, I'm going to make a podcast just so I can have that as the artwork. No, the podcast came first, and then the cross-eyed artwork. Oh, God, I didn't even have to Photoshop it. I didn't! So I'm preparing myself for big, big conversations that I've got to have with my little girl, and it includes all sorts of things. So far, I've spoken about how to how to avoid psychopaths. Have I spoken about that yet? I probably haven't spoken about that yet. I might have to speak about that one. Um, the other one I've... What else have I spoken about? Oh, just realising your dreams and all these really important things that young people are going to ask themselves. And I think I could fully expect Little Leafer to come to me at some stage and ask, Dad, uh, how do I become more resilient in the world? Good question, sweetheart. Good question. And that is the topic of today's podcast. Daughter Talks. Resilience. Resilience. I'd like to know where this term came from in the first instance because it's sort of one of those catchphrasy parenty, parenting, psycho-commercialised pop culture, flim-flammy, throwaway, just purely because it exists, is troubling. We shouldn't have to isolate a, or an awareness, eh? How about that? We shouldn't have to isolate an awareness of this uh, dimension of survival, essentially what we're saying, because, and, and speaking about that directly... To have to encourage people to develop resilience is basically saying, you know, it's that thing called survival, that your uh, most of your brain is dedicated to achieving, maintaining for you. Well, you aren't naturally very good at it. And if there's one thing that as a species as other species would 
teach us. One thing that we should all be instinctively good at to a certain extent, it should be some fundamental notions of survival. There's a lot of automated things that we do, like breathe and keep our hearts pumping. We don't have to think about them. Crikey. I reckon if we had to, if we had to consciously tell ourselves to breathe and to keep our hearts beating, some of us would be bad at that. <laughs> some of us would be like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do it. Or we'd forget or something. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. But no, fortunately, though, all those things are automated and there's a whole bunch of other things that are incidental things that you need to be able to trigger in the moment relative to the stress that's presented to you, which is the nature of the, the bigger part of the survival software. Software, isn't it? So now we have to be sure that in the development of our young people, we are making, giving them opportunities to develop their resilience. Now, it seems unlikely that my little Eva Daisy Jacobs is going to come to me and say, Dad, how do I get more resilient? But, uh, wow, if she did, it wouldn't surprise me because it's become this thing, it's become uniquely present in our awareness. And if she did come to me, I'd say, sweetheart, firstly, very good question. And before I answer it, I would like to say that it's important that you have awareness of it and it's important that you ask the question because asking the question is half the answer. Half the answer because in order to become more resilient, first of all, you need to know that you have to be more resilient. You need to know possibly that you aren't resilient enough and the thing with that is that you never are. We are always in a survival deficit. And which makes sense that we do things like raise our children in the home, part of a family, for a very long time. Other species don't do it. Other species are like, right, you're old enough now to go out, get yourself a job, buy yourself a headset, and stand in the bloody drive-through and sell giraffe burgers to lions or whatever they do in the wild you know you're old enough now look at that you've just gone over four months four months old i'm signing you up for a weekend course on how to pour coffee foam so you can put a smile on a hippo's face now go help your sister plat her mane yeah <laughs> Uh, that's when they're out the door. They're gone. Not us. No, it's 18 years. How are you today, sweetheart? You good? Did they pick on you? Did they? They picked on you. Uh, did uh, you okay? Did you talk to your teacher? About it? How do you feel about it? Do you feel 18 years of that? Which is fine. Which is perfectly fine. Because that's the way we are. We come out of the womb way too early. Human beings, we do. We should be in there for at least another three months after the nine months. The three months after we are born has been referred to as the fourth trimester. And I like that one, I like that one, because babies are in a totally different rhythm. They still don't know where day or night is. They're awake at four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock, two o'clock in the morning for a few hours. They, it's a, they're still in the womb. They are still in the womb. 
But they have to come out. Why? It's a good question. Thank you for asking. I'm assuming Aoife Daisy Jacobs asking the question. Because our brains are too big. Our brains are too big. And if we stayed in there any longer, we wouldn't get through the birth canal. So we've evolved to give birth early, uh, as opposed to making the birth canal big, uh. That's some reason humans chose to evolve in that direction. That's why we have all those soft bones in our head that don't fuse till forever. Because we need the flexibility in the skull bones to be able to get through the birth canal. It's really bloody interesting, if you don't mind me saying. And a strange point of evolution. Anyway, the point is that I suppose we could say something about the size of our brains. Our brains are a large part of it's hardware to do with what you would call conscious thought or rational thought or logical processing, part of which we're more or less in control of. And then there's another side B to our brain, which is just as complicated. That's to do with the survival, our reactions to the world, some of which is largely automated. And then we've got the you know, section of the brain that's to do with maintaining all the necessary functions. So, I suppose I'm looking at that, how to bridge that gap between the rational unpacking of stress as it occurs to us and assessing our response to it. Well, stress is always accumulating. It always is. And at some point, something will happen and you will have to release that stress in a way that you don't understand, in a way that's some peers out of your control. And most people experience that by crying. Oh, sad. Sad! You don't say, I'm going to cry now. Do you? Experiences happen to you. Remembrances happen to you. Uh, fear, people say things. It's all a, Crying is automated. You can't just turn it on. It's triggered, as they say. And it's a response to stress and we feel that way because we cry because it's a physiological defragging of emotional energy. And when you think about it, when you, after you cry, you feel better because it's your body forcing you, every part of your body forced to be otherwise occupied. You can't, you know, still you can't cut your nails and cry at the same time. It takes over your breathing, your sense of self, your muscle control. You lose muscle control. You lose focus and concentration. You are consumed by this one act, and that's the hardware being reset. It is. That's what it is. So. The resilience factor, if we can accept, if we can take some blows from life, as life gives us the knock around, because it will, it, it will. Life gives us the knock around. If we can take a few of those blows, fear on the old snoz, I'm telling you, then we're going to do well. But 
which ones do we take? Which ones do, when do we fight back? How many do we take? Well, what do I do when I take it? Do I have to process it in any way? Mm-hmm. The first thing about knowing where the lines are, it's the boundaries. Are, how much are you a participant in somebody else's lesson is the very first thing you ask yourself. Because often when you're a victim of somebody else's outburst, somebody else's outrage, so long as it hasn't hurt you physically, often the person who needs the most amount of nurturing, the most amount of recovery time and process, processing, is the, is the perpetrator, is the person committing the outburst is the one who can't control himself or herself and is lashing out because they are struggling managing the stress. So ask yourself that in the first instance. How much am I the victim here really in any given situation? Am I just the participant in somebody else's need to process frustration? So in that, I suppose, lesson number, answer number one is that you just see how much you are really a target. You could just be a means for venting, means for somebody else to vent. Now, if it doesn't affect you physically, that is. If anyone is interfering with you physically, that sounded a bit strange, punching on, someone's having a go, pulling your hair and giving you a, a raz, giving you in the headlock, alright, don't accept that, fight back when that happens, that is a type of resistance and we'd call that experience that would fortify your, your resilience. That's a, almost a separate topic really. When we talk about resilience, we're talking about the name calling, people trolling you online. We're talking about isolation. We're talking about strategic manipulation of your freedoms. How resilient do you need to be, all those things. For each individual situation, there's probably an answer, but for the most part, you, are doing, you would do very well if you accept this one thing, this one principle, that right from the very day you are born, you are a separate entity. You are your own island. You are an island surrounded by lots of other really nice islands that are very close by. So the saying, no man is an island, is an absolute lie. It's a complete lie. We are all islands and we should be in the first instance, but we're not afraid to go and visit other islands. We like to visit other islands. We need to visit other islands because some islands only have plants that have got the male uh, anatomy. And then we need to go to another island where the same plants have the female version so that there can be pollination and other islands can be created. So 
we are islands. We're not really islands, I suppose. We're like those big seaweed clusters that gather in the like the Amazon, and they look like islands. In fact, some people even build houses and stuff on them. And they float around, and they run into other ones, and they get bigger, and or they break up, and they form two smaller ones, and they'll go. Like these uh, reed, uh, tangled reed, like a giant... What is it when the Mastafarians put the stuff in their hair and they, it all goes thick and clumps, clumps up? Like that, but in an island, in a, in a river. That's what we are. Yes. So no man is an island, but all people are reed clumps. Clumps of grass, sea grass. You get what I'm saying. So you're your own entity. You are your own little country with your own borders and your own sets of rules and understandings. And people can, you know, with his own with his own wall around it, like Trump got a wall around it. And people can throw stones at the wall and they can poke it with sticks and, you know. If they're blasting through the wall with the nuclear weapons, well, that's a separate, that's a different issue. And people can spray paint on the outside of your wall and they can, I don't know, they can do all sorts of things. If they come up and they're touching your wall and they've, and they've taken the bricks out and they're dismantling it, well, then you've got a problem. Then you've got a problem. But people can stand, spend all day yelling at your walls around, around you. At the end of the day, you have the choice as to what comes through that wall. And it's not always... And you don't keep the door closed. You don't just close the door because then you don't grow. And then your island, your little country within the walls withers and dies because it's got no, it's not sharing its product and it's not receiving any products either. It's gross domestic product. Gross, gross domestic product, gross dramatic product, no, gross, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of play, a D word that talks about emotions and feelings and stuff so I can play with the word domestic. But anyway, I'll leave that to you. So you can't, you've got to have a sense of yourself in every situation and understand that you need input, you need it. But you do get the power to choose. The best thing to do is just like a border of any country, it's a very good analogy it's working out to be, I've just made it up the top of my head, is that you go to the immigration station, don't you? And you put, people have to put their passport in and you have to look at, your, look at their passport. You have to go, yes, all right, you can come in. I'll be, I will consider uh, your uh, application. And that's the way you should approach everything that comes your way. Good things and bad things. That's the most important thing. Everything will come to you for a reason. Doesn't mean you have to accept it, 
but it comes to you for a reason because, and you may not know what that reason is, and it may come to you in a form that isn't pleasant, but it comes to you for a reason, and in the first instance, it's a chance for you to grow, and the first thing that you can do to help that growth happen is to say to yourself, I have the power to accept or reject this experience. If you get demoted in your job, it's like, I reject that. No, I'm I'm quitting. Reject it. Have it. We say to yourself, all right, I'll take a step down and see what happens. Because this means something. This means something. I don't know what yet, but it means something. Because, folks, we all have goals. We all have ambitions. But our ambitions, really are just to cross on a map. X marks the spot's all it is. It's all it is. Because we can't see the what it actually is to, to achieve our goals. If we knew exactly what it was going to be like to achieve our goals, we'd probably have already achieved them. And if that's the case, then maybe we need to challenge ourselves with more difficult goals. Because we're chasing that cross on the map and as we're close, closer to the cross on the map, we see the land. We're on our ship and we're captains of our little ship or whatever and we see the cross, go to the cross and we see the island and say, like, it's land. Look at that. Oh, it's got some mountains and stuff. I wasn't expecting that. It starts to become a little bit clearer. We go one step closer. We think, oh, we need to land somewhere and we look, there's all cliffs everywhere. I didn't even, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, this is the cross that I was on the map that I was aiming for, but... Now it's the details presenting itself. It's not exactly what I thought it would be, but I'll go around the other side of the island. Oh, look, the side of the island. Oh, look, the other side of this island, there's another little one just over there, which could look like beaches and stuff. That's where I want to go. Oh, look at that. My big picture goal actually led me to this other little goal, which is more interesting to me and is actually better for what I want. So I'm going to go for that goal. Oh, geez, I'm glad I had the big picture goal. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got to where I am now with this smaller, more refined focus that I have. And that's what happens when we pursue something. And in the process of dealing with life and the bad things that happen, that is we have exactly almost have we have to have exactly the same attitude. That we take it on board and we understand that it's directing us towards something. We don't always know exactly what that something is. We've got to hold on to our goal though. And then moment by moment, we have goals. Like for me, I'm interested in finding a way to finish this podcast because I think I've said enough. I think I'll just finish it there. And I'll, What am I going to call it? I'm going to call it, oh, that's right, resilience. Resilience is you, the ability for you to receive the buffering that life gives you so that you can maintain a as straight a line to your goal as you possibly can. You have to be able to process, accept, receive bad things within reason. I think we get that point. Within reason. So that you can correct your ship or redirect your ship towards achieving your goal. Any success 
is probably 99% failure. Any success, just like the iceberg under the, most of the iceberg under the water, any success is mostly made up of failure. So you have to have resilience. Resilience is the canvas upon which the pain of life is displayed that allows you where you can you can look at it and say oh look it's actually a map and there's an x which is exactly where i want to go